anybody who's spent much time with me knows that I'm wrecked for Jesus. You know, um, I just, I, I, I just, I'm wrecked for him. And I just don't ever want to come out of that place. And so it's his story. Because, you know, Psalms 40, verse 2 and 3 says, He brought me out of the horrible pit, miry clay. He set my feet on a rock. He established my going. He put a new song in my mouth that praises him so that many will see it and fear and trust in our Lord. So that's all glory to him. Um, it is always just, um, this is our third year here, so it's just uh, an amazing honor to just be here. Um, uh, many of you know now that uh, Gina and I, I mean, we're married. We're first, hey, man, we, we weren't, so just, I mean, that makes me want to talk in tongues. <laughs> um, you know, and it just, even in the three times that we've been here, just how much, um, I, just, I, I just love looking back at what God does to just weave people into your life for that moment, but then it just continues into the days and the weeks and the months and the years ahead. Um, and of course, you know, we we feel a, we're so tethered to this place that we feel a call here, you know, and it's just like, God, it's in your hands, everything that has to happen, COVID happens, and then everybody's wanting to move here, and it's just, um, but we know he has placed that desire uh, that only he could place. Um, and I think the best compliment that I could give you here is, I mean, I have a church family that I have known for years. They loved me back to a place of safety and back from a place of shame in Arkansas, this little country church. But they just, they love me, and now they love Gina. Um, but when we're not here, and the Holy Spirit leads me to pray for people that he brings to my face from this church. That lets me know this is where my heart is. And so I am, that's the best way I can honor you because I just, um, you have only, only loved us. Um, and it's just, uh, we, we're married and, and there's a lot of that because uh, bef- right before I proposed to Gina, we were here February of last year and just you guys are pouring into us and it's just amazing you can come to a place, you can be comfortable, you can be loved, and you just, there's just, there's so much grace, and it just, uh, I, so I just, yeah, this is always just going to have a place of my heart, um, and of course, you know, so I have to obviously honor Pastors Lonnie and Kathy, you guys have just done so much to rock my world, and our world, and just, um, just teaching and sewing into us, and it goes without saying, Mama Betty, I would not be married if Mama Betty didn't call and give me some tough love. I mean, she'd call and say, toughen up, boy. Grow up, boy. So, so that's what the courting period is for those of you that are married, guys. As you know, it's learning how to grow up so that you can be the man that God has called you to be with your, with your wife. So, um, so I just... I just honor everyone who is a part of this and that you sow into us with all the things that you do. Um, and it's just, it is not lost um, when we're blessing the meals and the hands that prepared it and just everyone that's here. So I just, I honor you with everything I can. I, um, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the good news is by the end of this uh, little message, um, the rhema word, which is, it was just chewy today, <laughs> this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, so um, revelation. But, um, you know, I want to, um, I, I believe, well, I know, because um, I've heard the word now twice today already, which is shift. And um, it's all in this sermon, so uh, this message. And so I, um, you know, just want to, um, you know, just honor the Lord and uh, and share what He's, you know, what He's, what He shared with me. So I'm going to be reading. If you have your Bibles, or if you have your reference to the Bible, I'm from Second Kings. Maybe in a little bit, a little bit, and a pad. Okay. Yes. So 2 Kings 4, starting in verse 8. Old Testament up near the front of all the chronicles. So 2 Kings chapter 4, starting with verse 8. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, that he would turn in there to eat some food. She said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall, let us put a bed for him there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand. So it will be, whenever he comes by, that he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came through, and he turned into the upper room, and he lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to her, Say now to her, Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king, to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, What then is to be done for her? So Gehazi answered, Actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he called her, and he said, when he had called her to the doorway, she stood in the doorway, and he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But she conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha told her. Let us just pray. Father God, we thank you for all of the intimacy, the time, season that we are in even now. And I pray, Lord, that every heart and every ear will hear what you have spoken and that you will continue to speak, O Holy Spirit, through the words that you give me. I pray that every heart will hear. Let us make room for the anointing. Let us make a place 
for the anointing so that you, O Holy Spirit, can plant dreams, visions, and callings in us. Let us make place for you, O Holy Spirit, the anointing. Call to our attention everything that would try to crowd you out. Let us make room for you, O Holy Spirit, so that if we can recall that anointing, but we've lost focus of it, we will run after it again and make room in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I declare and pray. Amen. So I prayed, really, yeah, just that the thought that, um, that the Lord was speaking to me through this was... Um, when we make room for the anointing. In this story, you've got uh, a prophet in the Old Testament, the only anointed individuals back then. In, in most cases, you're going to see us going to be kings and priests and prophets. And um, you know, he's going about doing what prophets do. And I looked through many versions of the scriptures as I was studying this story and um, you know, at the beginning there, it says that uh, this woman was a notable woman. In many versions, it says that she was wealthy and very well-to-do. I mean, so much so, you think about it, um, when a preacher's coming through and you're feeding him, and then you get the idea, I want to make space for him. So you tell your husband, you know, let's build a room, let's make room for this anointed man of God. And that's, um, that's what I believe where we are right now. In this season, there is a shift. And as we see this shifting happen and what we are called to, I am bringing to your heart today is, first cry is, I want to make room for more of the anointing in my life. Because in this story, you've got a woman who has everything in the natural. And even when the man of God asked her, what is it that I could do for you? I mean, he had the ear of the king. And there was nothing in the natural that she was thinking about. But we know that the word of God says that when we delight in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. So there was something in her that didn't even feel that she could take this desire to the Lord or that it was so far out the reach of the request that she didn't even bother to say it. You think about that. I mean, she doesn't have a child and her husband's, you know, getting into the Abraham years. He's old. So, you know, again, in the natural, this situation doesn't make sense. But she has said, I know that the Spirit of God rests on this man. And so whatever it takes, any time that I can be around the anointing, I want to give place. I want to make room. And God honors that. And that's where I believe God is revealing to us. It's just amazing this week as different words have been laid out, and uh, this this passage was put on my heart a couple weeks ago, and every time I'd read it, I'd be like, you know, what, what's here? And it's 
understanding the anointing, making room, and then what did that lead to? There was a seed that was planted. And that's what I would tell you, is in this season of shifting, there are dreams of the Holy Spirit, callings, visions, that are not born in the natural or by your own heart. They are born when you make room for him to plant that seed. So that's, you know, that's the first thing I'd say is just um, as we shift rest of this evening, I want you to ask is, is there anything that I need to make room anyway? Our first cry would be, I want to make room for the anointing so that Holy Spirit can put in me what he specifically wants to plant. Now I'll take you to um, Mark 10. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17. We have an interesting story here. It's about the rich young ruler. What's interesting is right before this, um, Jesus is relating the kingdom of heaven and how you have to come with a child's heart. You know, that, uh, which is really just, Daddy, I want to crawl up in your lap and just... Love on you and you love on me. So that none of the stuff of this life really matters. It's just, you know, because when a kid crawls up in daddy's lap, they leave all their toys and everything on the floor, all the things that don't matter. And so we see a powerful story here where a young man comes and he's running and he he falls at the feet of Jesus. You know, and he's... He's worshiping Jesus and he's saying, you know, what must I do to earn eternal life? He recognizes him as a great teacher. When Jesus, you know, tells him, you know, it's, you know, the things that you've been taught, the commandments, you know, do not murder, do not commit adultery, you know, honor your father and mother. And this young man says, all these things I have done from my very youth. The crux of the story, you read it, is how Jesus responded. Because it says he responded, looked at him with love. So what came out next was from a place of love, which is you have one more thing. It is go, sell all of your stuff, get rid of everything, give it to people that don't have anything, and then come follow me. Of course, the story is the young man turned in despair because he had much. It was a big request. And that's the thing is, um, is that what I believe is that all of us are supposed to give everything away and give to the poor. It's really what each of us are called to do. 
I've been through seasons where I have walked out this story myself, where literally the Holy Spirit has said, put down the phone. I mean, all the notifications, all the news, just all the people, the stuff. Because I couldn't hear because of all the chaos and the noise. You know, any of us, if we search our hearts, is there something there that's crowding out that space that Jesus says, my spirit belongs there? And I can't share space with other priorities and other idols, other things that matter to you. Whatever's in that space, because Jesus told us, can't serve two masters. We were even that, you know, our words, they go either way. When we speak, it's not your speech is riding the rail. Speech is life. Or death, so that every word we plant is either to life or it's to death. So that's in the theme of making room for the anointing. Put your place in this young man's position where you look at your heart. You're saying, is there something that's taking up too much of my time? It's taking up too much of my loyalty. It's taking up too many of my resources. If there's something there, oh Holy Spirit, shine a glaring light on it so that I can open up and make more room for you. We read on further down the chapter and we, um, we see uh, the story of... Uh, Bartimaeus, one of my spiritual fathers, after I preached my first time a few years ago, five years ago, he was like, you know, stop calling him blind Bartimaeus. He's not blind anymore. (laughs) Or she's the woman who had the issue of blood. I'm like, okay, I got it. So the story of Bartimaeus, the blind man, you know, and he's sitting on the roadside. He hears the commotion. Because at this point, everywhere Jesus goes, there's a crowd. There are needs. People are pressing in. They want to be close to him. Jesus carries the anointing because we know Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus walks by, and this blind man is on the side of the road begging, and he hears the commotion, and he asks, what's going on? He can't see, he can hear, what's going on? People say, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth, and Nazareth was not a complimentary add-on, but he had already heard about what happens when Jesus of Nazareth comes walking. So in his condition, he realizes, I can't let him walk by. I I mean, this is my opportunity. So he calls him by his true identity, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. 
was a powerful statement because he took what the crowd had said in calling him just Jesus of Nazareth, you know, the carpenter's son, to understanding this is the son of David. This is the Messiah. So he cried out that first time, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the beautiful thing is, Jesus, I believe, was provoking this man because he didn't stop. And what's interesting is it says the people that were around, this would be the people closest to Jesus, those people who were kind of his handlers. They're telling him, just be quiet. What are they saying to him? Shut up. This is not how we approach Jesus. This is not, not the way things are done around here. And he's determined to pray an illegal prayer. So he crowds, cries out even louder, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. And that stopped Jesus in his tracks. So, of course, then the religious people, the handlers, are like, oh, be of good cheer, you know. He's, you've got his attention. He stands up. Before he takes the first step, he takes that beggar's coat, that coat that says that you can't be in certain crowds. You've got to let people know that you're from the other side of the tracks. You're not as respectable. That coat of identity, when he stands up before he takes the first step, casts it away. And then he steps and walks to Jesus. And Jesus asked him, what would you have me do for you? He said, that I'd have my sight. And there are some versions actually that say that he said that my sight would be restored. Which lets me know, when I go back and read this story, this was not a man that was born blind like the man in John 9 that they're asking, was it his parents or him that sinned? This is a man who at one point had seen and lost it. And the reality is like, he's like, you people don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I was and where I am. And, you know, I am begging for every single morsel. So I don't care what you have to say about me. I don't care that you want me to be quiet. This is my miracle. What's amazing is, if you count it up, there were at least four acts of faith in this man. The first one, he cries out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. It took faith to cry out because he wanted to get his attention. So I ask you, was he healed when he cried out the first time? Of course, then the religious people are trying to discourage him because that's, you know, they want him to go through a four-step program on, you know, declaring healing into your life. <laughs> but he got louder. and He says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. So that second request had his healing come forth. And they tell him, be of good cheer. And he stands up. The third act of faith, he says, this identity, no longer. So this lie, he 
has canceled it and he casts that cloak away that says, I'm no longer a beggar. I am no longer a blind man. And then he takes that fourth step of faith. And that is the reality here. Jesus is walking by with the anointing. And this man says, I remember just remember sight and being able to see things, and this is my opportunity. I'm going to run after this anointing because I want that restored to me. And so that's, that's where, where we are in, in, in these stories. What the Lord was showing to me is in this season of shifting, we are each being called. And to be called, we have to assess every one of us and say, is there anything that I need to move out? Is there anything that I just need to open myself a little more to the anointing? So in the the first story, it's you make room for the anointing, and then he promises he will plant his desires, his heart in you. The second story is you make room for the anointing, and he reveals those things that could be crowding out the anointing that he wants you to to move out. In the third case, it's, oh, if you had the anointing once, oh, and it may have grown dim. I mean, the scripture says that the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. When I think about that, I know when I was first saved, the candle was lit. But I also know that wind can come along and blow that candle out. I could run and the candle would go out. It could just burn out. So that's where every day I have to ignite that candle and say, burn brighter burn bigger, you know, so that it's not just burning in me, but it's burning out of me. So that's the thing is some of us, and I've had to go through this myself. I mean, I had church hurt at some point. Recent one wasn't even too long ago where I'm just like, I mean, I used to be radical worship, even more than what you guys see. And then, you know, I got my feelings hurt in church. I'm like, well, I'll just, hallelujah, hallelujah, worship God. And then he's like, who are you worshiping, man or me? (laughs) So that's the thing is in that third story, sometimes we have to make room for the anointing so that it can be restored, revived, reopened to us. You know, so it's, it's not a radical sermon. It's just one that I feel where we are right here in the middle of the week it is a powerful place to be. So the shifting, I mean, is the Lord really man, he just my heart was broken today. It's just because the shifting is because we're moving towards the harvest. And moving towards the harvest, the thing is, is when the harvest happens, it's the most chaotic time because there's all this separation. 
And so when that separation time, we're looking to God and he's like, you know, I'm going to separate and divide out. And then the anointing, that's what's going to be able to let us move forward. Because let me tell you, if we think that all the chaos is over, I mean, it's just getting started. And the reality is, God is saying, those who are filled with my spirit, they will arise, and they will look for the anointing, they will follow the anointing, and they will walk with the anointing. So that's, that's where we are in this shift. So for me, I'm like, Lord, I mean, it's, it's, it's harvest time. This is the thing, you go back and you read the stories about the summer. I mean, I was reading so many books because I was locked in, and I read about uh, the man who was locked up in the communist prison for all those years and just how God worked through him and in him to finally bring him out of it. Like, wow, could I do this? You know, I read about people in Iran and China and just in the pressing. We know in the pressing is where the wine comes forth. In the pressing is where the oil comes forth. So I just, I begin to pray this summer. I'm like, Lord, I just, help me see the way you see. I mean, I see the world. I see the state it's in. But I refuse to let it go to hell. So what am I going to do to bring forth harvest? So I say, God, just whatever it takes, give us the reality of hell so that when we're out there, it's just not, you know, another leading someone through the scriptural prayer, through the the prayer of the believer, the sinner's prayer. I mean, it's, you know, let's bring them into an encounter so that they have a real relationship so that when the storms and the winds come, that nothing's going to rock them. I'm here to tell you, the people that are living the life I lived, those people, our drive-in church service is not going to get it done. Even the goosebumps, it's not going to get it done. We have to understand that when we speak to them, we speak with the authority of the Word. And the Bible says, everything that's not planted by my Heavenly Father, He will uproot it. That's the power that we walk in. So this harvest season, there's turmoil, there's chaos. But it's just the separation that's happening, the dividing that God is doing. Oh, and how great... We will be able to shine. Oh, how great. We'll be able to bring forth and say, I have been tested by the fire. I have come out just pure as gold. So my prayer is, when you're searching your heart as we wrap up here, say, I want to make room for more anointing. Holy Spirit, Search me. Help me make more room to move things out that don't need to be there. To move out things and people that just are stealing and robbing my time and devotion to you. And I pray that in your time,
time in a secret place. There'll be moments. Yes, you may be crying out and praying for your loved one. My prayer is that you will have an encounter where you'll begin to understand the harvest is tangible. That means you have to have a reality of where they're going. It's one or the other. Then let that be the reality we face. So I say, you know, let me not walk through, you know, the mall again, thinking about what I want here or there for me, but let me see. People are walking in darkness. And because I've got Jesus in me, John 1 says that in him we have life, and the life of Jesus is the light of man. And that light shining from us shines in the darkness, even when the darkness cannot comprehend it. Let me tell you, the life that I lived, some of the parties and things that I went to, when the lights came on, the the rats and the cockroaches ran for the door because that's how bad things were in these places. But you walk with that light So I pray that you understand as you make room for him, the whole purpose is that you have so much Jesus in you. There can't be anything but Jesus oozing, pouring out of you. So I'd ask everybody at this point, we'll just stand together. And it may be uh, either some music or So I'd ask everybody just, this is not a leading you through salvation prayer. I'd ask everybody just to bow your head and close your eyes. This is your moment. Your moment. Everything else drowned out. You've heard my heart. You say, oh, Holy Spirit, I want to make room for you. Show me those areas that you want to invade. Show me those faces that I have kept hidden and reserved for my stuff. My sins, my desires, my stuff. Show me those things so that I, with your help, can move them out become flood every bit and every ounce of my being. I pray even now take you back to that moment that moment in the beginning, your first love when you said I've heard the good news oh I want Jesus I'm running after him And he lit that spirit man within you with a flame that is eternal. No matter how long ago that was, if your eyes have grown dim, I'm here to tell you, he says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard all the things that I have in store for you. He will restore your first love. 
just ask, will you make room for me? I pray that as you see those things that you need to move out or that he's exposing, you then move into a place where you cry, Holy Spirit, I've made room for you. Plant your heart, plant your mind in me so that every day that I'm walking and talking, moving, living, oh, that that seed that you have planted tonight, it begins to bring forth fruit. Hmm. So that's my prayer over you. My invitation to the front is you want to come forward, you want to say, I am making a declaration. I have made room for the anointing in my life and everything I do. Holy Spirit, wash me, cleanse me, ignite me, plant your seed in me. That's my prayer invitation to you. I'm back forward.